we have a great lesson today. So we've been going through the fruits of the spirit. And the first week we talked about um, who is the spirit and how are we filled with the Holy Spirit. And we continue to, um, that's important the entire semester. And then the second one, we talked about uh, love. And then that was love God. And we love God because he first loved us. And then the week after that was love hubby. Did anybody go home and love their hubby better this week? Oh, come on. That's better. One. Well, lucky guy. <laughs> and uh, this so week, this week is going to be love children. And um, Psalm 127, 13 it says, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the room is his reward. Wow. I can't help but be struck by the disregard for what is in the womb in our culture and in our time. And especially in the last six months when Roe versus Wade was overturned. And you can't turn on the TV or a newscast or anything or even watch TV or commercials without it all being about a woman's right to an abortion. God says children are precious. In, um, let's just look at Jesus' interaction with children in Mark 10. I know I'm speaking to the choir this morning. It breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. But it also reveals hearts. The selfishness that it takes to say, well, I'm an athlete. So I should have the right to abort at any time up to the last minute. Or I have a career to do. Or I just really am not ready for this child. To be willing to kill what's in the womb, the baby. And now the talk is all about um, just this week of the Democratic uh, candidate, I think in Georgia, said that, you know, there really is no heartbeat, that that's just something man, men made up to control women, is that heartbeat sound you hear on the ultrasound. Wow. In Psalm 139, David talks about being formed in his mother's womb, how God formed every little piece. God has a purpose and a plan for every child that is formed. You know what? It doesn't always fall in with our plans, does it? And there are probably, you know, everybody at this, when something was really traumatic, they make it sound in the commercials like every single abortion is a matter of rape and incest and, you know, all these horrible things, health of the mother. You know, in those cases with a doctor, it's up to that person, you know, in a private setting, but to say that open that door wide and anybody for any reason up to the point of birth and now even after can kill a baby because they have other plans. Do you know that Governor Newsom just day before yesterday signed 13 bills to, for every angle of abortion to make sure that it cannot be stopped for any reason? The disregard, that selfishness, ladies, is mind-boggling. And in Jesus' day, um, you know, children were to be seen and not heard, right? Everybody had their order. And so Jesus is speaking and some people brought their children. So then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Oh, stay away. He's too busy. He's too important. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. 
God knew how important, or he knows how important little children are. Where will the little children be? Where will the next people be? Why, you know, they have to have that opportunity to grow and learn to know him too. I don't know, ladies. It's hard. It's hard. And if, if, you're, if you happen to be a lady who's had an abortion, know that God forgives. You don't have to carry the weight of that burden of sin. I know several ladies, many ladies, who had abortions before they realized what it would mean. You know, they bought into the lie of that's not a baby, that's just a fetus, that's just cells. And then many years later realized that was God's child. And the, the grief is, is quite profound. But just know that God forgives and no one has to bear that weight. There's nothing that God won't forgive if we ask him. So Titus 2, love children. As Christian women, we should love children, everybody's children, our children, our grandchildren, grand-grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They are wonderful. And the older I get, the more wonderful they get. <laughs> Linda, do you find that too? They're just magic, man. I wish my, I wish my kids had been as funny as my grandkids. <laughs> I wish I had enjoyed them as much. I, you know, it's, you're just in a different place. But oh my gosh, they are just so precious. And they're pliable and they're and if we're careful they're teachable so we're going to talk through some points of discipline from proverbs and then some points for mom this morning um so to love children means to be fond of in a maternal way only a mom can love a child and sometimes that child comes through birth or sometimes through adoption or sometimes through whatever means but if we are attached to a child like that in a motherly way it's a it's a it's a love of protection it's so a love of wanting the best for, right? I think of our friend, um, Lori, who hasn't been here for a while. She had, I think she had four children, and then she had a family member who had, what, seven children? They had seven children, and she adopted all those children. And those became her children. And if you, if you see her on Facebook, she's worked very hard for those children, and it's been quite challenging. But that's a motherly love, wanting the best for, working for that child. It's a very unselfish place to be. But children are messy, right? They wreck our plans. They, they, you know, they don't often go along with our plans. They often challenge our rules. They make us question ourselves. Sometimes they help us to see how impatient we are or how um, selfish. Um, you know, my husband was with my girls climbing Mount Whitney. They did great last week, by the way. Everybody got home safe. They were a thousand feet from the top and they had to turn around because of um, time of day. But they were just ecstatic. But they had a great conversation on my home. And my husband asked my two, two of my daughters, you know, what's the hardest part about being a parent? So think about that just for a minute. What is the hardest part for you about being a parent? And each one of the answers they came up with, I could relate to. See if you can, too. My daughter, Julia, said, "My biggest, the hardest part for me is being afraid of passing on my shortcomings. Oh, boy, that was a big one for me. When I was young and the kids were all little and there was so much to do, I had a tendency to be very impatient. And I was always afraid that I would pass that impatience onto my children. Katie, my daughter Katie, said, other parents. And at first I'm like, what? But in this day and age, it, that is 
a real concern. You know, you have parents who are buying into the whole craziness that's going on, and then and then they're, maybe they're your child's friend, and then it, it makes your job harder. Um, my little granddaughter had a best friend, and during COVID, that friend was not allowed to leave the house for two years. Two years. And during that time, the child decided or was guided to think that she was gay. And so that mom threw a party for the child, baked her a rainbow cake, cut her hair, made her a shirt, and put it on Facebook. Or I don't know if it was on Facebook, but I saw the picture. I don't know where that picture ended up. Other parents, that is a challenge. So then what do you do? What does that do for sleepovers? What does that do for, for that friendship? That's tough. That's tough. It's not a time where we can just be unaware. And then Rosie, um, of course, we've, we're past our child raising years, but he said that probably his worst mistake, which I can relate to, is, um, is motives and discipline. Maybe we want the kids to look good for us. So it looks good on us, right? Maybe we discipline for the wrong reasons. And for myself, I think during the time when our kids were growing up, which is only a generation ago, I mean, it's changing so fast, ladies, you know that, but it's insane. But, um, you know, I could basically tell my kids, we, we homeschooled and I would say, you know, this is what the Bible says. There was not the constant Facebook. Cell phones came out when my kids were in high school. So there wasn't the social media and all the constant barrage. So, you know, our kids were homeschooled. Their friends were like-minded. We chose what they saw. We had one TV, one TV. We all watched it together. We watched Little House and we watched, you know, Andy Griffith and, you know, all the, all the sweet things we watched. And so my kids kind of got a sweet view of life and they weren't exposed to all this constant barrage of, you know, <laughs> right? So it was a lot easier then. But I don't think it's the same for you. You know, more is caught than taught, yes. But I think we have to be very verbal. And we have to express truth. So, yeah. So be thinking about what is your biggest challenge? You probably have a discussion at the tables. So what is our job actually as moms, right? It's to love our kids, to be fond of them. That gives them somebody in their life who's absolutely for them. If you're like me, if someone is due to be home, it's about 10 minutes before and I have this inner clock that says, where, is, where are they? You know? And right then they walk in the door. You know, my, my timer, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to write it down. If somebody's due, I know it. You know, somebody looking out for you. Kids need that. They need to know somebody's looking for them. Somebody cares where they are. And so um, that, love, that love only a mom can get. But you know what our job is not? It is not to make perfect children. We cannot make perfect children. Are we perfect? No. You know, and God is the perfect parent and he has rebellious children. It is a hard job, ladies. So we do what we can do. We do it to the best of our ability, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of his word. And God is responsible. We, we plant the seed. God grows the fruit. And sometimes it's not what we want. And not what we hope for. When I was young, I had this thought that I was going to parent in such a way I had no regrets. <laughs> oh, Lord, I was so young, <laughs> so naive. Yeah, I do have a lot of regrets, 
but God is good and he's healed so many things. He does that. And our kids basically are pretty forgiving. Um, so let's talk about uh, what we see in Proverbs. Um, we can't make perfect people. Also, we can't um, uh, make, make our children Christians, right? We can teach them the truth. We can expose them to the truth. We are bound as Christians to teach them those things. But that doesn't assure that they'll be a Christian. It does give them um, a good sense of right and wrong, right? So let's talk about how we get there. So let's, um, I'm just going to read the verses to you, but you can be sure and look them up when you get home. If you just Google search uh, Proverbs, Bible Proverbs for parenting, you'll get a whole nice long list. Give you a lot of things to think about, a lot of meat to chew on for raising your children. I just chose a couple for this morning. So we're not to leave our children to themselves. Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Do you ever see a little one and, you, and he's with his mom and you know that mom has absolutely no control over that child? Absolutely none. He has no regard for her. He does not hear her no. It's just a, it's just a voice. That's shameful. We are responsible for teaching our children respect. And the rod and, and rebuke. So, again, um, when my kids were little, a paddle was not uh, a politically incorrect thing to use. And I used a wooden spoon on my children. And not for everything, but for infractions that they needed to know this was a no. And when they were little tiny, and it was for little kids. It's not, you know, using a wooden spoon on your teenagers, of course. But when they're little, you know, go to touch a hot fire and you told them not to, or a plug and they told them not to keep doing a little pop, a little, little sting, it's message home. I will tell you, if, my, if I was a mom right now, I probably wouldn't do that in public anywhere. But I would set up situations at home where I could practice that. You know, um, set something on the table that they shouldn't touch and tell them no and see what happens. And make sure that they learn that when I, mom says no, that means no, and don't get lazy when you're home and no one's watching. Your no should be no, and your yes should be yes. That teaches respect. If your no means maybe, you will have no respect of your children. So that means before you say no, make sure you mean it. And that means if you have a chance to say yes, do it. You know, save those no's for the important things. Don't be picking at your kids all the time. Let them be kids. But if you've made up your mind that that's something important and you and your husband want to train a child that way, then make your no's no, your no, no, and your yes, yes. Number two, set boundaries. Romans 6.23, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. That's a good sound. Okay. So what sets the boundaries for, our, for us? It's the word, right? We're responsible for setting those boundaries. Not everything goes. Not everything goes. Teach them right from wrong. Proverbs 5, 7. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Now, if you are fortunate enough to have teaching when your kids are young, that's the time to start. 
but don't give heart if your kids are older. You can start now. You can even confess to them. I have not set good boundaries before, but we're going to start now. And this is what they look like and verbalize it and tell them, you know, when they're little, we're tighter with the rules. And as they learn responsibility and respect and they grow, we can let those, those boundaries out some as they have shown that they can earn that responsibility of more. But setting boundaries is important. And just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that we're going to do it. If everybody jumped off a ledge, would you jump off too, right? So teach them, teach them boundaries and teach them why. Oh, did I just get back? I did, didn't I? Did I already say teach right from wrong? I did. Okay, teach right from wrong. That's a big job now because they're going to come home from their friends or from school or something they've seen on TV and it's going to be presented as right and it's wrong. We were watching, oh, we were watching the other night um, uh, Medicine Woman, what was that one? Dr. Quinn, Medicine Man, Woman. And um, a commercial, so it's a really wholesome little show. This commercial comes on for um, a drug uh, that helps with uh, pre prevent AIDS. And the entire long commercial was solid in physical contact between men and men and women and women. So you have to watch all the time, you know, and you have to teach your kids as you go along. And it just may be that we just turn the TV off altogether, right? There are plenty of other things to do besides watch TV. Teach them respect. Proverbs 30, 11. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. That tends to happen when there are no consequences. When we give out rules and we don't give the consequence that goes with it. That makes us foolish if we don't hold our kids accountable. If we don't, and that means keeping track of what you say and not saying things like, but consequences is what teaches respect. You know, think about the way God deals with us. That's our example of how we deal with our children. And discipline is a good thing. You know, it sounds harsh and, it's, and, it, and it doesn't have to be. It's a teaching and a training, um, a bringing up. And in Proverbs 19, 18, it tells us, chasten your son while there is hope. And do not let, set your heart on his destruction. Hope. Discipline gives hope. It gives hope that someone, that your child, will turn into a respectful person. And it imparts wisdom. In Proverbs 22, 15, it says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. And that rod, I believe, means actually a, a rod in Proverbs. But correction can come in many different forms. And I think when they're little, that's the most effective and the quickest and the safest. Kid's going to run out in the street, pop. And touch electric cord, pop. A little sting, pop and turn the other way. And discipline is to turn them away, is to guide them. Well, training is more the guiding part, and discipline is the turning. You want to think of it that way. And it's a sign that children are loved. What does God tell us? He tells us that he, you know, he loves those, he corrects those whom he loves. Proverbs 3.11. 
My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father in whom he delights. God corrects us. If he wasn't, if God was paying no attention to me, I would know that he was not my father. I'm not looking after everybody else's children. I'm looking after my own. I'm responsible for training my own. That assures your, your child that you care for him. I had a paper I did not bring up here, but it's called the 12 Steps of a Delinquent. And I think we've shared it with you guys before, but I can print it out for next time. Or I can attach it to an email or something. But it was written by um, a policeman. It's actually on my printer. That's what it is. Um, written by Houston policemen, just talking about, you know, the way to raise a delinquent is not to hold them accountable. Let them have whatever they want. Take their side against any authority in their life. You know, their teachers, oh, your te you just have a bad teacher. You, you know, your coach doesn't know how good you are. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, basically spoiling a child is the best way to create a delinquent. So without discipline in our children, we set them up for failure. So let's talk a little bit about mom. You know, I think the biggest motivation for me in uh, seeking God's word when the kids were little is, is kind of what my daughter Julia said. I didn't want to pass on my faults, my temper, my whatever I was struggling with. And it's, you know, your kids see you better than you think they do. And so it's really important. Um, it was more important to me to know what God, um, I don't know how to put that. It was just really important to me that I was close to God so that I would do a good job with my children because I knew I couldn't do it on my own, right? And um, the truth is, it's a lot of hard work. And a lot of times we don't see ourselves as we really are. And it's impossible to do it in our own strength. So remember we talked about the pause, um, you know, especially if you're busy with little children, maybe set that pause once an hour where you just stop and think, how's this going, Lord? You know, when your kids are little, it's so intense and it's easy for things to go sideways real quickly. But it's also really important to take care of mom. And we tend uh, to get other focused and we don't look at ourselves. But if we don't take care of ourselves and our own body, then we don't have a lot to offer. So think about um, physically, you know, how are you doing physically? Are you maintaining your strength, maybe doing a little weights or getting out for a walk, playing with the kids? You want to be able to. To really engage with them and if you do that into the grandkid years that's even better and mentally you know it's it's a long day when you're talking to a two-year-old <laughs> you know it's not very challenging sometimes so what are you doing for yourself do you have a good book you'd like to read um last week sheila shared about um her passion of, of writing cards you know do you have a little ministry that that you can do that really encourages you. Sheila writes cards to ladies and she keeps it all set up and she can just step in her room. I would tell you, Sheila's cards take more than a little time, but you can make it simple. You know, maybe once a day you reach out to someone else, maybe it's by a text or sending a card or a quick phone call, just letting somebody else know that you're thinking about them. Just stepping outside of that little people world is really important. And don't waste that time doing this. Put your head down, scroll on your phone. It is such a huge time waster. Use that time to encourage somebody else or to do something to strengthen yourself, 
or to learn something new or just to read a good book. And spiritually, most important, don't give up your quiet time. And that may not be first thing in the morning when you're a nursing mom. Maybe it's in the middle of the night when everybody else is in bed and you're feeding that baby and your little, your little Bible's right there or devotional. Don't ever say you don't have time because you do have time. You have time for what's important. And that spiritual dynamic of mothering is so very important. If we don't have it, we don't have it to give. And raising our children reveals our weakness. It brings out the best in us, but it also brings out the worst in us. Be listening to your own words. Am I yelling? Am I sarcastic? Am I angry? What's going on in my mind? It starts there. Do you have friends that encourage you that being a mom is a good thing, that it's a worthwhile thing? If you are a, a mom or a grandma, are you encouraging others? When you, even when you see a mom in a grocery store, do you smile at them and let them know you think that's the most awesome thing? It's just so awesome. I'm um, Right now, our office, we just moved our office and we're on the third floor. But on the first floor is a pediatric uh, doctor. And so I get to see little tiny babies coming in for their first check. I saw an 11-day-old the other day and I just smile. You, know, you can't get close to anybody with COVID. But I just smile and I just, and that's so great. That's so special. I'm so happy for you. I just try to embrace it for them because there's going to be a lot of places they don't get that. And it meant a lot to me as a young woman when someone validated that being home with my children was a good thing. And part of teaching respect is being obedient ourselves. So if we're obedient to scripture, our kids will see that. If we take lightly scripture, our kids will see that too. How about our husbands? Do we respect him? Do we obey him? They see it all. They see it all. They see tension and that's okay. We're gonna have tension, but what do you do with that? Are you respectful in your response to your husband? Even if you don't agree. And then we talk about if, um, if he has something he's done, do we let them know that we're doing that? You know, how do we teach our kids respect? If we're disrespectful to God's word, disrespectful to our husbands, our kids will, be, will not see the importance of being respectful either. That's what they will learn. Let them see you practice forgiveness. Can you ask forgiveness from your child? I think in the generations before me, you never would have asked your child for forgiveness. That was like, I remember one time I spanked my little one in front of my dad and I let him calm down. And then I hugged him and dad's like, why did you do that? I said, because I spanked him because I love him. And that was just, that was just mind blowing to him. It's like I had undone it. But what we do needs to be in a spirit of love and forgiveness. You know, we're not to lord it over our kids. We blow it too. We don't, you know, we need to be, um, confess, you know, um, maybe admit our struggles to their, to their ability to understand. We don't want to give the kids anything that's too heavy. But you know, hey, uh, mom really blew it. I was too angry. I reacted too quickly. Will you please forgive me? It's okay. Ask your kids for forgiveness and then they will learn to do the same. And practice mercy. You know, am I judgmental? 
uh, in the way I talk about others, you know, in front of them, then they are going to be judgmental too. They learn all those things from us. We learn to be gracious, merciful, forgiving if we practice those things. And then what about the authority of our governments? How do we talk about, oh, how do we talk about our government? <laughs> oh, how do we want to talk about our government? Sometimes not very nice, <laughs> right? But I think in front of our children, it's really important to be respectful and, to be, and make sure we give the example of praying. Even, um, uh, you know, dear Lord, thank you for our leaders. Thank you for our president. Please protect him. Thank you for our leaders. You know, please change their heart. I mean, that's okay to pray. But we just need to be really careful about bashing our, the authorities in our life. Even though we really want to sometimes. And even when our leadership is very hard. Just be careful how we portray that. And, and then another level of authority would be maybe in your driving. <laughs> Do you obey the speed limit? Oh, I heard some giggles. <laughs> Do I drive too fast? Do I fuss at people next to me? You know, my big pet peeve right now is people who sit through a stop, through a red light tech because they're busy texting. Yesterday, every I was second, three of them in a row weren't going. And I mean, everything else had happened. And the second one was like, oh, maybe there's somebody in the street or, you know, you're afraid to haunt because, you, you know, maybe something else is going or maybe there's a siren coming. Somebody finally gave them all three like, oh, and they drive off and the rest of us just find another red light. <laughs> that drives me crazy. I know I do honk. Rosie won't honk. I honk. Like drive or text, you know, one or the other. <laughs> You're on my page. <laughs> so how do I react to that in front of my children or in front of God? You know, we do need to be gracious and careful with our, with our mouths and our thoughts. So let's look at a couple of things here um, under um, kind of the Titus two kind of part of mothering. We need to be sound minded. All of this kind of ties together, ladies. Um, unfortunately, there isn't just a template for you on how to raise your children. Um, but if we obey God, obey our husbands, obey the word, we're going to be in a good place. So being sound-minded means not being crazy, not being out of control, not being controlled with emotion. Our kids can bring out all the crazy we, we, we have, can't they? But God calls us to be sound-minded, to process our emotions through his word. So even when I feel like yelling or screaming or feel like getting even by punishing too hard or maybe even spanking too hard or any of those things, stop, pause, confess the Holy Spirit, get back on the right track, take a breath. Sometimes we have to just breathe. It is better to stop and wait a second, maybe a minute, maybe two, maybe 10, than to react in those moments of feeling crazy. Nobody like a kid to drive you there. <laughs> We're called to be keepers. And that means guardian and protector. We've talked about that some. But ladies, you don't get a pass on anything right now. You have to be listening to what they're coming home with from school. That means your teachers. That means the administration in your school. That means your kids' friends, your friend, kids' parents. Kids' friends' parents is what I'm trying to say. Just know that not all parents are like you. And that's more and more the case. 
I had a kid run away one time and um, finally found him and uh, knocked on the door. Is my kid here? Oh, yeah, he's been here for a week. And he hands me his laundry all folded. I'm like, seriously, you didn't think to call us? I mean, hello. Not all parents are like you. So get to know the parents. And it's never a bad idea to have kids over to your house. So be very careful where you let your kids go. And that you know those parents and what they believe. Next, be kind. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Psalm 19, 4. I, had, I probably said that verse a million times when the kids were little. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. What is going on in my soul? What am I thinking? Am I, am I treasuring these kids the way God does? Am I taking this job seriously? Am I obeying? Am I fair and just? You know, fear can trip us up. When we're afraid, maybe we react in anger. We overreact. We assume the worst. Don't assume the worst. Ask questions. Ask questions. Don't assume. Make sure that the punishment fits the crime. And know that it's okay to be merciful every once in a while. Especially if it's something new, the kid's never done it before. Be merciful. Take the opportunity to train. No, make sure that you know their age. You know, I know you know their age, but make sure that you know what they're capable of at any age. And only expect what's, what they're capable of. There's lots of good books. There's lots of good Christian. Um, you can find them anywhere. Just do a little searching. But um, it'll tell you where a child is spiritually at each age, what they're able to understand when you're teaching them the word. Teach and guide them. Teach them manners, ladies. If you don't teach them anything else, teach them manners. You know what manners says? Manners says, I respect other people. That means that others are more important than myself. Manners are so important. And if you want to have fun with that, if your kids are a little older, um, have you ever seen George Washington's Rules of Civility? So they were the manners, the list of manners from when he was a young man. And they're really funny. <laughs> Some of them are great. But one of them is like, don't ever read over the shoulder of somebody else. You know? I mean, it, it's, it's very sweet, actually. But it's also very true. So that's a fun one to go through with your kids and maybe talk about why those things are important. And then sometimes we get tripped up with, you know, just we just don't know what to do on a situation. But remember we talked about the four wills of God. That's a really easy way to break it down. And it's a really easy way to teach our children, you know. And what are those four wills? It's the will of God that everyone should be saved. So make sure that you teach your children about the Bible from the time they're little, that you teach them Bible stories. And, and, and I, you know, I always am careful how I say that. Um, the stories from the Bible, but they're not stories, they're true. You know what I mean? That's the difference between a storybook and a fairy book, a tale and all that. And I'm also, I was also careful, this may be like way out there, it's just me, but that they weren't in cartoon form. Veggie Tales was fun, we loved it, but you know, there's a lot of cartoon kind of drawings, but there's also some very sweet books that have real paintings and stuff. They were real people. And I like those better when it's real people because it symbolizes that these are true stories. So just be careful how you, how you present things. But 
So that belief is is will of God. Be thankful. Teach our kids to be thankful. Oh my gosh, there's so much grumbling going on. In Facebook, if your kids are old enough for social media, they're probably not very thankful. They're finding all the things to compare with everybody else, especially if you have girls. They're feeling very unthankful. I'm not this enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not talented enough. La, 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 la. You know, it's all, it's all self. You know, teach them to get outside of themselves. And then uh, do right in everything. Uh, I don't have the verse, but I gave it to you last week, though. Um, you know, do what's right. And how do we tell our kids what's right? Well, God's word says. And it's not God's word says. It's God's word says. And I love God's word because he knows what's best for us. And he loves me and he loves you. Be careful that you don't make God the bad guy. And I think we just have to be willing to speak the truth, ladies. Um, this thing right now with um, boys and girls. I'm reading a, a good book. Just a real quick, quick story. So I signed up for a class called the Eunice Initiative, Eunice Initiative, that um, citywide, and it's close to my house, and it's once a month. I thought I can handle this, and so um, uh, gave us four books to read. And the first book I read was the wrong one. <laughs> and I was talking—I don't know if Janice is with us today—but she kept talking about how hard this book was. I was like, my, this book isn't hard. It's great. It's just what we teach a person. But I got there and it was a hard book, and I, but I'd read the wrong one. But however, it's been really helpful in these last two lessons. It is called um, one of the books, the book I read is called uh, Men and Women in the Church by Kevin DeYoung. And just talks about um, the difference between men and women. It's, it's just a great, great book. It's very sound. It's kind of a Titus II book from a man's writing style. It's just great. But he talks about, um, in one of them, talking about how do we teach our boys and girls to be boys and girls? And that goes all the way back to the original plan of God, you know, Genesis. Like uh, Roxana said, you know, you don't realize that's really there, you know. So take the kids to the, to the scripture, you know, um, God's plan and his design for men and women. And one of those is, you know, in the very beginning, it's be fruitful and multiply. So that's, that's. The plan God has for man and woman is only one way to be fruitful and multiply, and that's a man and a woman. And that's part of a woman being a helper because she fits her husband, and that's the way that children come. It's just birds and bees, guys. And that's we teach that from the beginning, and we teach that as a good thing and a, and a right thing. But he has uh, he broke it down into four um, things to talk about with your kids or teach along the way. You know, in Deuteronomy 6, it talks about all along the way. We teach all along the way. You're not going to teach all this. If you're behind, don't panic. <laughs> you know, if you're just getting started, don't worry. Um, God will fill in while you get up to speed. But um, so one thing is appearance. You know, boys should look like boys and girls should look like girls. And in the Old Testament, it talks about, um, well, I'm sorry, it talks about the long hair, how it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And Kevin was saying, you know, that's, that's pretty cultural. Uh, so look around in our own society. What is feminine? Look back in time. <laughs> Don't look right now. Look back. What is feminine and masculine? Well, you know, to be feminine means to be soft, not to be afraid to be pretty. We don't look like a man. We don't do things that make us look like a man. And men should not do things that make them look like a woman. So we should, we should look different. And that's okay. That's the way God designed us. So to encourage that in our kids. Um, and our bodies are different. You know, men are built stronger. 
Uh, if you talk to my Katie, when she talks about, um, you know, like the, the swimmer that's a man that has been swimming with the women, um, the physical differences in a man's body are phenomenal. I mean, he is so much stronger. He is built so different for such different things. And God made him that way. So teach your boys that it's great that they're strong. Let them be boys. Don't try to make them the same. Don't try to take that little boy out of them. We've done that with public schools. We put the boys on sedatives so they're not acting like boys because we want them to sit in their chair and learn like a girl. They are different. They are made to be strong. And for a girl, beauty, and what does God say about beauty? It's not that physical thing that we're all looking for, um, with the touched up body and everything. That beauty is from an inner beauty. Are you sweet? Are you kind? Or are you a bully? Our girls are bullies. Have you noticed all the stories about the bullying on Facebook? What does it mean to be feminine and to embrace that? And then to let the dads lead. It's so important to let dad lead. We appreciate him for who he is. And mom for who she is. Here's a here's a passage you pulled out. I had not, let's see, I may have it on my cheat sheet here. Here we go. So this is Paul talking um, about some encouraging he did to some believers, but he talks about it. Um, from a mom's perspective and then a dad's perspective. Let me explain. First Thessalonians 2, 7, and 8. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. So there he's showing the feminine part of love. It's nurturing and it's cherishing. And then he talks about, and then he says, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. So he's got that cherishing part from the mom and the, and the um, exhorting part from the dad. Different. It's in scripture. That's where we need to point our kids because they're not going to find it other places. And find things that... Um, encourage them in that way. I hope I didn't make that, didn't get too deep in the weeds on that. <laughs> but um, ladies, loving children, it's the best. And as a grandma, I appreciate it more now than I ever do. <laughs> I'd like to do it over again, but that's what grandkids are for, right? <laughs> Amen, Jesus says. All righty. Well, we're going to um, close in prayer and then uh, have a quick few announcements. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for um, your love for us, Lord. We thank you for children. We thank you for a chance to take that love you've given us, Lord, and pour it out into our children. And we pray that we would understand what that love looks like, Lord, that love of being fond of, of being full of discipline, of training. Lord, we learn more than the kids do, Lord. I just thank you for all that being a mom means. I thank you for just the privilege of being a mom and a grandma. Thank you for all the ladies here today, Lord. And we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we went a little long today. 
Uh, so I'm going to make it real quick. Uh, Dee Dee's 